John chapter 20, we have four different aspects of the, the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we want to look at verses 1 through 10 as uh, we take a look at uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, dealing with uh, primarily his resurrection rather than going into some of the other details that are mentioned there. And so we want to read the text, and then we want to pray over the text, and then we want to speak about the text, and then we want to go home after hearing the, the message. So that's the plan. But right now, as we give reverence to the reading of God's holy word, we're going to ask you to stand, if you're able to, with your King James Authorized 1611 Fourth Edition Bible in hand as we read from the Word of God in the English language. Verse number one, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple <laughs> did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooped down, and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying yet, when he, and went he not in, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and saw, or he saw, and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Father, bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we read, first of all, that it was the first day of the week. And what happened? I grabbed my notes and I lost my, lost my place. And now it won't turn back. I have to thumb through these pages. This new Bible's not getting broke in as quick as I like for it to. We start off with the first day of the week. It's interesting that the Bible starts off with the first day of the week. We read in John's Gospel this morning that they wanted to crucify Jesus because it was the high Sabbath of the Passover. Now, we understand the Passover was a Sabbath, 
and it was the high Sabbath. And they wanted to get Jesus in the grave. So Jesus Christ was being crucified during the time of the Passover. And they wanted to get him in the grave before they went into what is known as the seven days of unleavened feast, where they were to cleanse everything throughout the entire land of Israel of leaven, because leaven is a picture of sin. And so that evening began the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they had in preparation, in preparation for that feast. To get all the leaven out, they had to get all that done before the, prep- before the day of this feast began. And so Jesus Christ being crucified... <clears throat> on Nisan the 14th, which would have been meant that he died, and they put him in the grave on a Wednesday night, according to our time, at 6 p.m. They had to get him off from the cross and get him into the tomb sometime by 6 o'clock or after 6 o'clock. And so he remained in the tomb for three days and three nights. He was in the tomb uh, Wednesday night, all day Thursday, Thursday night, all day Friday, Friday night, all day Saturday, and sometime early Sunday morning, uh, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Now, some believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the grave on Saturday. And that's true. He did rise from the grave on Saturday if you live in the United States. But if you lived in Israel, he rose from the grave early Sunday morning. But if you live in the United States because of the time change, then yes, he would have rose from the grave on Saturday, early Saturday morning. But we know that that's not the situation. We're going according to the time calendar that was taking place over there, not over here. And so Jesus Christ rose from the grave on the first day of the week based on the solar calendar as it would approach that part of the world. Now what is interesting is the Bible makes it very clear in Leviticus chapter 23 that when they come into the land, when they come into the land, they were to keep the feast of what they call the first fruits. And we read according to what is said there in Leviticus 23, beginning with verse number 10. The Lord speaking unto Moses said to Moses to speak to the children of Israel and say unto them, when you come into the land which I give you, You shall reap the harvest thereof, and you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to accept for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. So on the morrow after the Sabbath would be, since this is the Sabbath day that he's speaking of, would be Sunday. And so Jesus Christ was crucified during the Passover. Jesus Christ was placed in the tomb on the first day of unleavened bread. 
And on the second day would be what they call their Good Friday. As that day began, well, the day after, on the morrow, we come to the first day, which would be Sunday after their Sabbath. Or we could understand two days later. So two days later from the second day that Christ was in the tomb would put that day on Sunday. So you have all these feast days lining up. Jesus Christ, and I don't know, some people don't see the significance in that, but God has a purpose for everything. Because all those feast days are a picture of salvation. As we said before, you have, uh, if I have it in, in the right perspective, I have to think about this. The first feast day was Passover, that's Christ dying for our sins. And then you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that is the picture of the leaven being purged from our life while he was on the cross pouring out his blood. And then you have uh, the Sabbath day, which is our normal day of rest, uh, what we're all looking for. So we'll kind of excuse ourselves from that for a moment and go to the third feast day that comes after the seven days of unleavened bread. And that is the feast of first fruits, which is a picture of the resurrection. And then after the Feast of First Fruits, you come to the Feast of uh, Passover or of uh, Pentecost, which is a picture of uh, the Holy Spirit coming down and giving to us an understanding of the Word of God. And then after the Feast of pa uh, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes down, is if I remember correctly, it's the Feast of Trumpets, and that's when the Lord, boop, 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 and then we all go home, we're caught up, that's the rapture, and then after that, you have what is called the Feast of uh, Tabernacle, which is the Millennial Feast, and then you have the final feast, or is it the Feast of the Day of Atonement, that's what it is, where the Lord Jesus Christ atones the world, that's what it is. And then you had the Feast of Tabernacle for the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. So you see how the Bible all lines up with those feast days. And that's why it's important that Jesus Christ be risen on the first day of the week. You can't have him being risen on the day of the Sabbath. But he is, he is the first fruits. It wouldn't, you know, you say, well, that don't, wouldn't make any sense of your theology, Pastor. Well, it wouldn't make any sense of the Word of God, too, because those are pictures of our salvation. We start off with Christ being our Lamb. We go on with Christ cleansing us from all of our sins, and then we go from that to being raised up. We are raised up to walk in newness of life. We are now new creations in Christ Jesus we become a whole new person, and then we are caught up into heaven, and we're with the Lord, and the Day of Atonement was when He comes, and now He, he brings about the atonement for the whole world, cleanses the world for his, his appearing and for His reigning on earth for a thousand years. And you have the Feast of Tabernacle because that's when they got back into the land and they celebrated the fact that they were in the land in remembrance to the times that they were wandering in the wilderness. And so <clears throat> we have all of these things that lined up in the Word of God. 
And so they go into, on the first day of the week, they go into the tomb. And what do they find? Now they thought that someone had come and taken his body. Well, if they took his body, they'd get a good job of moving him out of the grave clothes because the grave clothes were there. They were not unraveled. Now, when they used to prepare them for burial, uh, they would take and, <clears throat> and take bandages and they would wrap their arms and they'd wrap their torso and their legs kind of like you would a mummy. They'd put a napkin over the face and then they'd put a shroud over the body. Well, when they looked in there, well, the grave clothes, according as we compare it with the other synoptic gospels, well, excuse me, John is not a synoptic gospel, but when we compare it with the synoptic gospels, so they're striked up from your memory when I said the others, but uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you understand what synoptic gospels are, right? You understand that, right? Not, not everyone's going to. Synoptic means that they all agree. It's kind of like three guys are all standing there and they see this car wreck. And the police officer comes up and says, all right, Matthew, can you tell us what happened? So, you know, this guy comes flying down the Landau Boulevard and he runs through the red light. And he hits his car and, uh, and anyway, um, uh, People are, you know, are hurt and bleeding, and, and I got here just in time to call you. And it says, okay, so what did you see, Mark? And say, yeah, this guy, you know, he's driving down the highway there, and, and uh, this guy pulls out in front of him, and so he, he smacks into him. And so I saw what happened. It looked like someone may have been injured. So anyway, I called you. And so then he said, okay, Luke, what happened? So, well, it looked to me like this guy wasn't paying attention as he's driving down Landau Boulevard. I'm not sure what he was doing. He's looking the other way or whatever. And so he smacked into this guy. I mean, he just ripped the car completely apart. And thank goodness no one was seriously hurt. Now, they all saw the same thing happen, but they reported a little differently. You understand what I'm saying? So when you read the Synoptic Gospels, they all tell the story, but they tell it a little differently. But they're all telling the same story. Because God is using them to report it as they saw it and as they understood it. Now when you read John, John doesn't go into those same reports. He, he tells us things that the other gospel writers don't tell us anything about. So, so John is not in harmony with Matthew and Mark and Luke in the stories because he doesn't tell those stories. He gets into some events that the other gospel writers do not get into. So that's what we mean by the synoptic gospels. You, know, you understand now, right? So now we understand, okay. So John is writing some events that he has seen that others did not report. Now, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. This John is beloved. The Bible said they all did not believe, but John believed. So, John now reports that there was a napkin. The grave clothes <clears throat> were there. The napkin was folded, and it was laid to the side. And as uh, we were already told by Brother Jerry, that is a picture 
that I, you know, Christ instituted the Lord's table. And uh, he said, we're going to keep this again in my Father's kingdom. They understood when they saw the napkin uh, what that meant, but they didn't believe what it meant because they were still in doubt. I mean, they were in doubt for several reasons. John saw and John believed. But what we find here in Scripture is uh, that the other disciples did not see. And John has a faith that the other ones didn't have. Even Peter, old Peter, you know, he's just as bad as doubting Thomas. The Bible makes it very clear that they all went away doubting except for John. We talked this morning about doubting Thomas. Well, Peter, being just like doubting Thomas, uh, still had uh, some problems with his faith. We get a little more of that understanding when we go over to the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, we're not sure who these Emmaus disciples were, but the Lord Jesus Christ, he really upbraided them for uh, their lack of faith. We may want to take our Bibles and turn there. And uh, God being very patient with these disciples, as we see over here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and Jesus appears, and he's walking with them. Uh, we are told the story in verse number 13 that there were two of them that went the same day to a village called Emmaus. That's why they're called the Emmaus disciples, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together, and reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. In other words, uh, the idea here that their eyes were holden gives the idea that for some reason they, they were restrained from understanding that this is Jesus that they're walking with. And he said unto them, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad. And the one of them whose name was Cleophas answering said, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Has thou not known the things which have come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done, and Certain women also of the company made an astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us to the sepulchre, or went with us to the sepulchre, and found it even as the woman had said, but him they saw not. 
And he said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? So Jesus Christ, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he exhorted unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, the day is spent. And he went and he tarried with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he brake, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight, just poof, he's gone while they're eating with him. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened us to scriptures. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found eleven gathered together, and them that were with him, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and have appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, and see, for spirit have not, have not flesh and bone as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb, and he took it, and he did eat it before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in all, among all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you. Tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God.
So they did not believe, they did not trust in him, even though they heard his words, even though they had been with him and seen all these miracles, they still not, did not believe until after he was risen. And he had to show himself unto them like three different occasions. And finally, they started believing. And so it was a pathway that he had to take them down. That's why he meant that they were slow of heart to believe. And that is the grace of God. There are some people that God has to take them on a journey of faith before they come to faith. There's some that believe right away, and there's some that are down this journey, and they're slow to heart, they're slow to believe. They have to see something uh, and hear it over and over again before they finally grab a hold of it. And so God was patient with them in allowing them to come to go down that pathway. And then there is this idea that when we get over the mark that there were some that they were not only slow to believe, but they were of hardness of heart. When we go back over to the Gospel of Mark, we find that there is another problem. We read in Mark's Gospel, you might want to go there to chapter 16 and verse number 9. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, of whom he had cast out seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and that he had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked. So there's the Emmaus disciples and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. And afterwards he appeared unto eleven, as they said at meat. And he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now what is interesting is John is the only one that believed. John saw, John believed. The rest of them, they had to. They had to see more than an empty tomb. They had to see more than just the grave clothes that were all wrapped together in the napkin that was set aside. They had to, they had to see more than, than what the women saw, that saw the angels, and the angels had told them that Jesus was risen. And even when the, the women heard that, they, they still went back saying, well, we're, we're not sure what's going on. We, we saw this angel, but maybe someone stole his body. We're sure. We're, we're not sure. So we see the hardness of heart. There's others out there, you know, well, I, we see it today. People say, well, you know, I, I, don't like, uh, I don't like reading Paul. I don't like reading Peter. I just like reading the Gospels that are in red. I read all the red uh, print, but I don't read anything else because I only believe what Jesus said. <laughs> have you ever run it? Has anyone ever run into anyone like that? I, I have run into them, some of you. I only saw one hand, but, um, but Millie and I, we've come across them. So, <clears throat> so I just believe what, what Jesus said. I don't believe the rest of those guys. Well, you don't believe the Bible then. You know, I don't, I, I have a red edition Bible, but 
you know, and sometimes I think it kind of deflects away from, you know, the inspiration of God's Word because it's all inspired of God. Just not the red letters. It's all inspired of God. We need to understand that every word, every, every jot and every tittle is of God. And there are some out there who say, well, you know, I believe Jesus, but I don't know if I can believe these other men. And so there are others out there that, you know, unless they have a miracle, we see that today, and there's the hardness of heart. Unless God gives me a sign, I'm not going to believe. I'll put my faith in Jesus the moment I speak in tongues. But until that time, I'm not going to believe. Well, the devil can help you to speak in tongues. You know, if that's what you want. And then you'll start believing other things as well. Because you're looking for something that's emotional. You're trusting in your own heart and what satisfies your heart rather than the Word of God. And so, well, you know, I've got to have this sign gift. There's got to be something more than just the Bible. I've got to have this in order to believe. And so we see, and we got a whole realm of Christianity out there with this hardness of heart. They're not going to take God at His word. They're not going to take Paul at His word. They're not going to take Peter at His word. They're not going to take at the word of those like John says, we that have seen Him, we that have touched Him, we that have handled of the word of God. No, I need a lot more. I need some special sign from God. I need a miracle in order to believe. Unless God gives me a miracle... And so there are people out there, they have to have a dream, they have to have a vision, they have to have something other than the Word of God. And so they eat a bologna sandwich, they go to bed and they have a nightmare, and so they call in, you know, like the Bible answer man or whatever, and say, or every man an answer, and I had this horrible dream that, uh, uh, that uh, I was in hell and there was all these other people standing around and they were laughing at me. What does that mean, you know? Well, it means you ate a bologna sandwich and you were having a nightmare. That's what it means. Because they won't believe the Word of God. They put their confidence in something other than the testimonies of those that God had given to us. We read over there in 1 Peter chapter 1. Why don't we go there and we'll be done. In 1 Peter chapter 1, the Apostle Peter makes it very clear that you and I are born again by the Word of God. He says, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, that you love one another with a pure heart fervently being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever for all flesh is grass and all the and all flesh is pardon me all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So there are some out there, well, I don't believe that because Peter said that. No, it's the word of God. We believe it because it came to us by the word of God. And the word of God endures forever. And we stand on the word of God. We stand flat-footed, believing what the Bible says, 
We don't trust in anything other than the Word of God. It is the final authority for our lives. We go over to 2 Peter and uh, chapter 1 there, and there in 2 Peter chapter 1, we receive from the Word of God those things that we have heard. For we read in verse number 17, For we have received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, and when, and when we were with him in the holy mount, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth into a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now what is interesting about the passage that we just got through reading here is what we read in verse number 19. That the word of God is something that has to take root within our heart. And when it takes root within your heart, that dark place in every one of our lives, when it starts to take root, all of a sudden a light bulb goes on within our soul. And when that light bulb goes on, all of a sudden the day begins to dawn within our heart because the star of Jesus has arisen within our heart and now we can believe the word of God. And there are people out there that have the hardness of heart. They're not going to believe the Bible until that happens. Now, what is important is that we keep feeding them the Word of God. We keep watering. We keep nourishing. We keep going back and, and giving them the Word. Because just like these men, they had the hardness of heart. And God didn't give up on them. I mean, they, most people, if they'd been around with with uh, what these men had seen and, and experienced, what these men had went through, they would have believed probably a lot quicker than what these men had believed. And Jesus uh, reproved them. He upbraided them. He rebuked them because of their lack of faith. They had seen, they had heard, but they refused to believe because they just, for some reason, couldn't comprehend it. And finally, one day, out of the grace of God... God allowed his word to take birth within their heart. Well, he's done the same for us. And so it's important that we get that message out there. And the message is that Jesus Christ not only died for our sins, but that he was buried and that he rose again. And we've got to keep sharing that message. And we don't give up. We share that gospel with somebody and they say no, but we keep going back and we keep witnessing and we keep trying to encourage them. And in time, they can come to the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it doesn't happen overnight with many people. John, he believed, and he believed because of what he had seen. He saw an empty tomb. Peter and the rest of the disciples, it took a lot more, but eventually they believed. 
And there are other people out there, they've got to see more than sometimes what we show them. So we got to keep going after them. We don't give up because man's heart is desperately wicked and who can know it but the Lord. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have taken your word and you've ignited your word and you brought light within our dark hearts so that uh, we can believe that we now believe that we now receive and that we now trust in you and we can open up the holy scriptures and we can believe all that is said and lord we don't take that lightly we thank you for it We thank you, Lord, that through the glorious gospel message, that wonderful message, that marvelous message, that transforming message, that electrifying message, that powerful message that unlocked the darkness within our souls and allowed the light of the gospel to come pouring within our hearts giving us an understanding through the Holy Spirit, illuminating our minds to where at one time we did not believe, at one time we did not trust in you, at one time we were like so many others. We had to see more than just what we saw. But Lord, in your grace, you were able to reach through to us. Lord, help us now to be faithful in going after others, not giving up, just continuing on, We thank you what happened this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the testimony of this one person that was saved. As her daughter had shared with me earlier some things about um, her mother's faith and, and what was lacking and how, Lord, you were able to bring her to the place to where she would walk the aisle, she would receive Christ as her Savior. Lord, we want to see it again. We pray that you'll use us that we might see it over and over and over again each week throughout this year. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.